Good morning. Um, I've been asked to come and share a testimony with you today about my own church um, and its giving. My church is only about 12 years old. What's interesting is the area where I come from had never heard a word about Jesus Christ. See, I grew up in Philippi. There was no Jesus Christ even ever mentioned by anybody in the area until 12 years ago. It, in your calendar, the calendar in our day is quite different, but in your calendar, you would say it was A.D. 50. We said something different, but that's when it was. And I... um. The Apostle Paul was the one that brought the gospel to us. What's interesting is he was only with us for about three months. And I met Paul at the back end of that experience. You see, I've been a Philippian jailer most of my life. That's what I did. I uh, didn't care much for people. Because when they came to me, I wasn't supposed to show them any kind of mercy. They were with me sometimes for a day, sometimes for a week, sometimes for weeks. But I didn't care about people. Paul was different. When he came to our area, after being there several weeks, several months actually, uh, he had cast a demon out of a slave girl. And that made people upset because of it affected their business. And he was brought before the magistrates. And they then gave him over to the lictors who just beat he and Silas almost to a pulp. And then they were brought to me. And I was told to keep them secure. I didn't care about them. D did, I, did I put anything on his wounds? No. no. Uh, did I give him food or drink? No. I'm a jailer. Jailers don't do that. What I did do, is I took his legs, we got our board, we put his legs right in between that wooden board, those shackles, and then they fastened it to the wall so he couldn't move. You know what it's like for a man to be in prison where his legs can't move and he's trying to sleep and rest? It's almost impossible. But I didn't care. Because I was a jailer. I also took all of the men and put them in an inner cell. The reason being, it was much easier for me to watch them if they were all together. But it was like herding cattle into a closed area. Do you know what it smelled like in the inner cell? We had no toilet facilities. Men could be this close for an extended period of time. It was dark, it was damp, it was cold. But Paul and Silas were just two more criminals to me. You know what happened that night? I, I, I've seen men in all kinds of situations, but I have never seen this. Around midnight, they started singing. I mean, 
they sang as much and as loud as the people up here were earlier today. And, and I listened. It was all about Jesus and Lord and I didn't even know who he was. I was impressed that they sang. And then the earth shook under our feet. We have had earthquakes before. But the timing for me was strange. And, and I knew this was divine. I didn't know what from what God it was from. It didn't matter. Nothing. This, this, this Paul was like no other person I had met. And after the earthquake, the, the, the shackles broke off from the wall. And, and, and the doors opened up. And, and I was panic-stricken. You know, in my day as a jailer, if one of my prisoners escapes, you know what they do to me? I die if they get away. And I knew in that moment, with the doors open, there wasn't a chance. I, I ran toward the inner cell. Doors were open. I took out my sword and I was ready to kill, kill myself. And you know what happened? That guy, Paul, who I disdained, who I showed absolutely no mercy to, cried out and told me not to kill myself. I was so overwhelmed with him and his God and who I did not know that I went in and I fell down before them on my knees. I brought them out and I asked them, how can I be preserved from the wrath of this God? And he told me all about Jesus. How he had come and died and rose from the grave for me. And that night, that night, I got saved from the wrath of God in a way that I never understood before. I was forgiven. And my entire family got saved. And I brought Paul out and we fed him and we took care of his wounds. And I became part of the Philippian church. day later, Paul was released from that prison. <laughs> Paul was such a wise man. You, you know, it's interesting. Paul was a Roman citizen. I, I, I've never been a Roman, Roman citizen. I never will be. I wish it was kind of strange that he didn't tell those that were going to beat him that he was a Roman citizen before they beat him. Which seemed odd to me. But you know what he did do? When, when we were ready to release him from the prison, he then said, um, no, I'm not going to leave yet until the magistrates come back because they have just unjustly beaten a Roman citizen. I wonder why he did that. You know why he did that? On the one hand, he knew that we would suffer. And we had seen Paul suffer greater than we would ever suffer. But on the other hand, he wanted to preserve us as a group, so he was making the magistrates know that if they stepped out of line, he could always call back what they had unjustly done to him. As a way to protect us, the church, the church at Philippi. Two days later, he was gone. I, I knew Paul for just a few days. That was it. But it has forever changed my life. What would I tell you about our church? Were we a wealthy church? <laughs> we were not a wealthy church. 
here was the problem. And incidentally, we were a church of about your size. We, we didn't meet just in one building. We met in house churches because it, would, it was illegal to do what you guys do for us. But that's what we did. And um, one of the problems with being a Christian in Philippi was this. Philippi was a Roman colony. You know what that means? That means it's a city that's supposed to represent Rome wherever you find it. So it could be anywhere in the Roman Empire, but it was, it was a reflection of the mother, mother city. They took pride in the emperor and honoring him. The problem is, as Christians, we honored Jesus above the emperor. That's what we did. And the people could never understand that. So we were persecuted. And we lost jobs. And it was difficult. And we were poor. That's who we were. But you know what? Paul often told us in his book, he just wrote a book to us just a few weeks back. And he's coming in a couple months to visit us again from prison. We're looking forward to that. But in his book that he just wrote us, he calls us a colony of heaven. Isn't that neat? We're not, we don't need to be a colony of Rome. I'm a citizen of heaven itself. A jailer who has no future in this world. No, we, we were poor. Poor as you can possibly imagine. And we were a normal church. I don't know you people. I know your brothers and sisters in Christ. We had problems with people grumbling and bickering sometimes within. It happens sometimes in a church, doesn't it? We had the same problem. We, had, we have two wonderful women in our church. Euodius and Syntyche. They're great women. And, and this letter that Paul just wrote recently, he had to point them out. Because they've been griping about some of the silliest things that frankly just aren't important when you think of the gospel. But we're like any other church. Churches bicker, they complain, they get frustrated with each other. And they're often opposed by the world around. But through all of that, we love to give to Paul. You know, when he left Philippi, he went to the city of Thessalonica. He was only there for about three months. But in that short period of time that he was there at Thessalonica, we sent offerings to him twice. Because we just wanted to help him as much as we could. He then went from Thessalonica to Berea, and then he went to Athens. And from Athens, he went to Corinth, and he stayed for a year and a half in Corinth. And when he initially went there, he stayed with Aquila and Priscilla and, 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 and just worked his trade and evangelized as much as he could. We didn't have much. But we gathered together as much as we could, and we sent it to Corinth so that Paul would be freed from working and he could give himself just to the ministry. Why? Because we love Paul? Yeah. We loved what he was doing. We had seen what he had done in our own experience. Paul eventually went back to Antioch, his home church. And then he entered into what is often called his third missionary journey from about 53 to 57 A.D. And uh, 
while he was there, he spent most of his time in Ephesus, but while he was there, he was committed to raise as many, much, a large amount of funds from all of the churches that he had planted. Because our Jewish brethren back in Jerusalem were very, very, very poor. And so he wanted to raise money from all the Gentile churches and make a statement that we thank God for the Jews, which are the foundation of our faith. The church he really, really wanted to get, he knew he could get a fair amount of money from was the Corinthian church. They were pretty wealthy. But you know what? He never even asked us for money. You know why? He felt we'd given enough. He knew our, 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 our condition, how poor we were. But he was passing through Macedonia on his way to Corinth during that journey. He stopped with us. And we begged him to participate in that offering. He couldn't believe it. He, he, was, he was overwhelmed. He knew our poverty. He knew our pressure. He knew our turmoil. But he saw our joy. He saw our love. And he took the money. He even told the Corinthians about it. He was so impressed. Paul then went to Jerusalem, offered the money to the church there, helped them out. The lost Jews found out he was there and they connived a plan and they had him put in jail. A place called Caesarea, not too far from Jerusalem. And there he was in prison for two years. Fortunately, the church of Caesarea took care of him. And then they shipped him from there to Rome itself where he would spend two years. The last two years he's been in Rome. And we knew when he was in Rome, see, I, I don't know how your jails work and your whole prison system, but in our day, if somebody's in prison, um, the government takes no responsibility to feed them or to clothe them or to care for them. It's a, it's a very different world. So you, you need to have people come in or else you won't get anything. So we were concerned. We had been praying for Paul. But what we had decided is we would send Epaphroditus, one of our beloved leaders. He would go, he would take money to Paul, and he would minister to Paul in any, every way imaginable. And that's what Epaphroditus has done for the last two years. He almost died while he was there, Epaphroditus. But God preserved his life. and He is the one that just came back recently with the letter itself. Now, you may wonder, why is it that we would give so much to Paul? Is it because we loved him? Oh, we loved him. There's no question about that. He could be rough sometimes, but we, we, we love Paul. But we love God more. You know what we decide in our hearts? If God was God and the gospel was His and it was His kingdom and it was His purposes that mattered, we gave ourselves over to God and anybody that was a part of God's program, we gave ourselves to them too. I mean, that's what drove us at the end of the day was God. You know how Paul described it? When Paul writes this letter to us, that we just received. He said that when we give, it is a fragrant aroma, 
an acceptable sacrifice. I mean, it's like we're living in the Old Testament time as a priest and offering this to God and God is just pleased with it. God says when we give to Him for His cause, it is like that experience. No, we, we gave at the end of the day because we love God above everything else. The, um, the thing that has moved me at the very core of my heart, though, is Jesus Christ, His example. <laughs> I've never quite gotten over this. He was rich and becomes poor. I am poor and I become rich. I've never gotten over that. I've never gotten over the fact that the Creator becomes part of creation. And, and He doesn't just become a man. He doesn't just willingly die, but He, he willingly dies on a cross. I, I, I notice in your day you wear crosses around your neck. We would never have done that in our day. Cross around the neck? I suppose in your day that would be like wearing a hangman's noose around your neck. I mean, a cross was a terrible thing. Roman citizens were not supposed to be killed that way. Did you know? And, and I've seen men suffer on the cross for two and three days before they died. The Romans did it because it was a wonderful way from their perspective to torture and to set an example for others. Jesus is willing to die that way. It was pure shame. I just don't get over that one. It just, it's too much for me to handle. Jesus' example has changed my life. It say, He saved me by that example and He set forth for me a model for living my life. How can I not sacrifice when He has sacrificed that much? You know what's always interested me? If I give to God's kingdom and His purposes, God takes care of my needs. It doesn't mean He gives me everything I want. Believe me. Believe me. I have a whole list of things that I will never have. And I've had days where we've had very little to eat. But even there, He's got lessons to teach me. But He's always met my spiritual need. He's always allowed me to live such a way as He has designed. He's always met my needs. And somehow in His grace and in His mercy, He chooses to take a couple denarii that I put together to offer to Paul to help a church here, help a church there. And Paul says in his letter that it's like I'm building up a bank account in heaven that I can't even say. Isn't that just like God? He saves me when He doesn't need me. He loves me through His Son. He provides for me. And then He chooses to reward me. I can't figure all that out. I can just tell you that's what drives me when it comes to giving. My love for God, the example of His Son, God's incredible 
incredible provision and reward of his own. I don't know where you are. I don't know what you're experiencing or what you've been through. But I know God is still God. I know that the gospel is still the gospel. And I know that the needs around us are innumerable. Will you prayerfully ask yourself at the season in which you worship appropriately the coming of God's Son, what sacrificial giving looks like for you? Thanks for hearing my story.